Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. From the Meridian Room in the Park Plaza Hotel in New York City, we bring you the music of Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. With the touch of the Spanish, Raymond Raquello leads off with La Capacita. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 340. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Before we get into this week's show, folks, I have some bummer news that I have to share with you. Last weekend, speculative fiction writer and longtime Drabblecast favorite Yuji Foster lost her life to cancer. Yuji was a sweetheart who was extraordinarily talented and appeared on the Drabblecast numerous times all the way back to our very first year starting the show. She was a Nebula award-winning author who proved time and time again that she had pretty much every genre of fiction writing by the balls, freaking us out with horror stories like The Wiggly People, which we ran in episode 68, capturing our imaginations with space opera Apocalyptica in the full cast production we did of her story, The End of the Universe, in episode 128, and, of course, blowing our minds and melting our hearts with her Drabblecast People's Choice Award Best Story of 2012, The the Wish of the Demon Actromagic, in episode 214. In the wake of Jay Lake losing his battle with cancer earlier this year, 2014's pretty much been a year reminding us that cancer's the shittiest thing ever. But rather than dwell on the tragedy, we choose to celebrate Yuji as we did Jay earlier this year, by once again listening to and enjoying what she did so well, aside from being extraordinarily sweet to everyone. And that is, writing incredibly diverse, incredibly inventive, incredibly awesome short fiction. For the month of October here on the Drabblecast, we'll be replaying all of Yuji's stories featured here on the Drabblecast throughout the years on our new fancast, Drabble Classics, which features old stories from the massive vault of Drabblecast archives, along with fresh perspective and commentary by editor Charity Hilton and her merry group of roundtable discussioners. Discussionists? Discussionistas. The Wish of the Demon Actromagic, one of my favorite stories ever, is up right now. Go subscribe to Drabble Classics if you aren't already by clicking the subscribe link at the upper left side of our webpage, drabblecast.org. You'll have a good time with Drabble Classics, whether you're a longtime listener or a total DC noob. Get hooked up. Alright, let's get this show on the road. Time for a hundred word story. Our Drabble this week is called Not From Around Here, and it comes to us from Derek Manuel. Derek lives in Louisiana. When he's not selling singlets to aspiring wrestling alligators, he writes speculative fiction. His works appeared on the Drabblecast and in the Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing Newsletter. You can follow him on Twitter at DMTheWriter. Here goes. The sun is rising on the horizon. Soon it will be beating down on the beautiful green grass outside the farmhouse. Somewhere there's a traffic jam. Somewhere there's air so sickly gray you could taste it, but you wouldn't want to. Somewhere people are shooting each other in the street. Not here. Here, there are no big city problems. Here, at this moment, there is only a punctuated silence. Not like 
last night. Here, now, the only sound is a slobbery Labrador retriever, gnawing and gulping and slurping, understandably ecstatic about having just encountered the largest bone he's ever seen. A suspiciously empty world, a suspiciously silent landscape, a suspiciously large bone. So often it's what you don't say that makes a story good, isn't it? And what better medium to practice the art of not saying things than the hundred word story? Love them. And that's one of my favorites in a while right there. So anyways, moving forward with that idea of theories and unexplained happenings, conjecture around that which ain't from around here, we bring you our feature story this week. On a clear day, you can see all the way to conspiracy by Desmond Warzel. Desmond's become kind of a household name here on the Drabblecast as of late. We just ran his fantastic HP Lovecraft mythos story, The Only Game in Town, in August, and you listeners can't seem to get enough of the fella. He's the author of some two dozen short stories in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genres, which can be found in a variety of periodicals, including Redstone Science Fiction, Abyss and Apex, Escape Pod, and Shroud. Desmond's an author to continue to look out for, in my opinion, and we're always happy to have his work featured on the show. This story originally appeared in SF Reader back in 2009. But here, we did something a little different with it. As you'll see, the story's set up more like a radio drama than anything else, with a fun and unique framing device. And you remember those past couple episodes of the show where I was giving out particular lines, telling you to call and record them in the Drabblecast voicemail box because you might wind up on the show? Well, this is that show. In what, I have to say, wound up being, oh god, immensely more work than I ever anticipated because, awesomely enough, tons of you took me up on the offering called in, reading lines, we took this story and turned it into the radio drama it was meant to be, with your help. All the call-ins you hear in this production are from actual Drabblecast fans, hand-picked from, I don't know, an average of maybe 75 to 100 different call-ins per offered line of dialogue. We also picked a couple of our longtime donors to read lines, and there are even some appearances and cameos from various fun, random Drabble folk, like founding Drabblecast co-editor Kendall Marchman, my guitarist and bandmate partner in musical crime Dusty Magnum, Iron Deficient Mega Beast Deathmatch Podcast Talking Head Adam Carvin, our esteemed managing editor Nathan Lee, along with Drabble Classics editor Charity Helton, as well as frequent Drabblecast voice actors like Matt Weller, Ray Sizemore, Mike Boris and Rish Outfield. The lead of the story, though, is played by the incomparable Dave Robison, a guy who could easily have a career in talk radio if he wasn't so busy powering large swaths of U.S. urban and industrial zones with sheer distilled awesomeness. Dave is the best. Okay, so you ready? Without further ado, we bring you On a Clear Day, You Can See All the Way to Conspiracy, by Desmond Warzel. The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air 
in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Hey there, it's the Sinclairs, your everyday future family. Well, some amazing progress in the war on... Monster Jellyfish. Girl, you'll be You're listening to The Mike Colavito Show on Cleveland's home for straight talk, WCUY 1200. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect those of WCUY, its management, or its sponsors. Fair warning, I'm in a mood today, folks. We've got a mayor whose only talent seems to be showing up at luncheons and waving at the cameras. Eighty bucks I had to pay yesterday for not wearing my seatbelt. Show me the seatbelts on a school bus. I saw a Cleveland athlete on national TV last night wearing a Yankees cap. And every day I get at least a dozen calls from schmucks who think that people like me are the problem in this city. Tell me America's not falling apart. And some of you people, including our program director, by the way, seem to think I'm running my mouth too much and not taking enough phone calls. I've only been number one in radio in this city for 10 straight years. What would I know? You want calls? You got them. Steven in Mayfield Heights, you're on the air. Yo, Mike. What's up? The Rent. Art in Seven Hills, you're on WCUY. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Just wondering if you caught that ball game last night. No. Andrea in Rocky River, go ahead. Hey, Mike. First time caller. Well, call back tomorrow and you'll be a second time caller. Carol in Cleveland, what's on your mind? Hey, Mike, what do you think of waterboarding? My wife and I waterboard all the time, and it's improved our sex life dramatically. Chuck in Parma, you're on the air. Hey, Mike, I heard your show yesterday, and I was wondering, since you know so much about football, why don't you take over as head coach of the Browns? I wouldn't want to take the pay cut. Mina in Lakewood, you're on the air. Did your wife think that waterboarding crack was funny? Play your cards right some night, and you could find out for yourself, Mina. Tommy in Beachwood, you're on WCUY. Hey, Mike. Just wondering who you think the Indians should try and trade for next year. Your mother. Jane in Euclid, go ahead. Uh, looks like we lost Jane in Euclid. Must have answered her question already. That's all right. We've got in seven callers in under a minute. Everyone happy now? Hey, Jake, i got to take a breather. Do the traffic. What? Oh, yeah. The traffic is brought to you by Westside Hardware. Westside Hardware. Westside Hard. What? Where? Who? Westside Hardware. Get your home improvement on, sucker. Thanks, Mike. Not much happening right now. 480, 271, and 77 are all clear. But traffic on the shoreway is backed up in both directions, so our listeners might want to allow a few extra minutes if they're headed that way. For Westside Hardware, this has been your WCUY traffic report on Cleveland's home for straight talk. Hey, hey, Jake, don't go yet. You still there? I gotta take Shoreway home after the show. Any idea what the holdup is? Can't say, Mike. No accidents, just a general slowdown all along the lakeshore. Wonderful. And people wonder why I'm always giving the mayor grief. Straightest stretch of highway in America, and traffic still won't move. Somebody on the Shoreway, call in and tell me what the hell's going on over there. Franklin in Cleveland, you're on the air. What's up, Mike? You gonna let me talk? Don't worry. It's all out of my system. The floor's yours. Well, you're entitled to your opinion about the mayor, but come on, man. How are you going to blame him for slow traffic? The traffic's just a symptom. I'm talking about neglect. 
Name me one thing the mayor's accomplished since he took office. Well... You can't, Franklin, because there are none. Homicides in the triple digits, a downtown that looks like Baghdad, none of it bothers him. Everything's A-OK as long as his picture's on the front page every day. In fairness, Mike, he didn't create those problems. He inherited most of them. Gotta let you go, Franklin. I think we've got an answer to my traffic query online, too. Pete on the shoreway, what's happening over there? There's no wreck or anything, Mike. I think everyone's just slowing down to look at the sky. The sky? Bunch of jet trails over Lake Erie. Jet trails? I'm going to be late for my polka game tonight because a bunch of morons are staring at jet trails? You people never seen a jet trail before? Well, there's one hell of a lot of them. Must be hundreds going every which way. I've never seen anything like it. Might be military planes. They're looping and weaving all over the place. Okay, thanks, Pete. Now, hang up the phone and pay attention before you kill someone. Well, if there's anyone left listening after this fascinating line of inquiry, in the next hour we'll be talking to the Indians hitting coach. How's that? All right, one more. Mel, on the shoreway, go ahead, you're on the air. Hi, Mike. If you could see this for yourself, you might not dismiss it so fast. You think that the Cleveland media is going to report upon this? No. Yeah, you're right about that. But listen, don't you think this might just be regular air traffic? One of them just flew straight up. You tell me. Okay, I have no window and I can't leave. So somebody out there, take some pictures of these things and email them to me during the ad break. Meanwhile, I'll run down the hall to our WCUI news department and lean on those clowns, see if they know anything. Let's get to the bottom of this so we can move on. Change in temperature. A slight atmospheric disturbance of undetermined origin is reported over Nova Scotia. And we're back on the Mike Colavito show where we're devoting 50,000 watts to a discussion of jet trails, if you can believe it. Thanks to our listeners, I've now seen some pictures of this mess, and <laughs> as much as it pains me, I have to agree with those people out on the shoreway. That's no ordinary air traffic. And I just checked with our newsroom. They have no clue. No surprise there. They haven't broken a story since Teapot Dome. Guess we'll just have to wait and see. Anyhow, unless you have something new to add, no more calls about this, okay? We know what it looks like. Craig and Mentor, you're on the air. Have you seen the sky this afternoon, Mike? You should really see what's going on up there. Uh, Richard in Dayton. Dayton? Really? <laughs> Thanks for listening all the way down there, Richard. Hey, at least you're not calling about the sky over Lake Erie, right? Actually, Mr. Colavito, that's exactly what I'm calling about. You mean this is going on in Dayton, too? Well, Mr. Colavito... You call me Mike. We're all friends here. Mike, I'm not in Dayton proper. I'm calling from Wright-Patterson. The Air Force Base? Yes, sir. And I just wanted to clarify for your listening audience that there is no unusual aviation activity over northeastern Ohio. None at all? Yes, sir. That's official? Yes, sir. So does that mean all those jet trails are from commercial planes after all? Absolutely. Richard, I might have been born on a Monday, but it wasn't last Monday. Mike, the air traffic's always like that. But between the clouds and the pollution, you just can't see it most of the time. 
Sometimes, though, when the weather's cold and the sky's clear enough, those trails become visible. And that's all it is. That's all, Mike. There are a lot of planes up there, Richard. It may look like it, but it's perfectly normal. Well, I appreciate your call, sir. Anytime, Mike. I'm just doing my duty, which in this case means averting a potential panic before it gets started. Thanks again, Richard. Cold weather and a clear sky. Give me a break. No way I'm falling for this. Ronnie and Solon, you're on the air. Hey, Mike, maybe we're being invaded by Canada. Could be, Ronnie. They were probably pretty peeved when the Indians swept the Blue Jays last week. Jeannie in South Euclid, you're on WCUY. They might be flying saucers, Mike. Have you considered that? Anyone smart enough to get to Earth would know better than to look for intelligent life in Cleveland. Look, I know Jeannie's kidding, but let's nip this stuff in the bud, okay? I don't need these kinds of people coming out of the woodwork. John and Ashtabula, you're on the air. Hi, Mike. Listen, I wouldn't go dismissing this alien theory out of hand if I were you. It just so happens I'm an extraterrestrial myself. Oh, is that a fact? <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. And and when did you land here in Ohio? Oh, I didn't land in the United States. I landed in Mexico and stuck across. Much easier that way. Never be funnier than the host, John. Jules in Cleveland Heights, go ahead. Mike, I don't know what's going on up there. But I can only hope it is aliens. I think we've gone as far as we can on our own, and our only hope for peace and harmony is the descent of a new wisdom. (laughs) Well, you're definitely from Cleveland Heights, there's no doubt about that. Go ahead, Jules. Humans have lost the way. We need to evolve, and we're stuck fast. Did you know we only use 10% of our brains? Imagine if we could learn to harness all of that potential. Hey, Jules, guess what? People use 100% of their brains all the time. It's called a seizure, dummy. Like, I've already cut you off, Jules, but if you're still listening, let me help you out, buddy. I think you hit the wrong button on your radio this afternoon. You want the one marked FM. This is AM, and it's not safe for you here. Hmm? Let's go to a commercial. We've got bills to pay. This week on the hit reality show, Machio's House. He might have been the karate kid, but he sure is a karapi cook. Phyllis, I saw the instructions, but what does it matter if I preheat it, though? Heat is heat. Well, it did matter, didn't it, Ralph? It mattered to the bunt cake. Look at this photograph. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. And we're back with certainly the oddest show I've ever done in 10 years of radio. We've been discussing what I suspect are military jets in enormous numbers over Lake Erie, And I'm under the impression some people would rather we didn't talk about it. There's more to this than meets the eye, folks. William in Dayton. Another call from Dayton? I suppose you're in the Air Force, too? Mr. Colavito, we've already explained the situation adequately. You'd be well advised to stop spreading misinformation, let the matter drop altogether, and continue your show with a different topic. What's that? A threat? Hello? Well, you can forget it, William, or whatever your real name is. I'll talk about it until morning if I feel like it. If something dangerous is happening, we've got a right to know. You'll have to drag me out of this studio. 
You think I'm afraid of the government? You think I have skeletons in my closet? All my skeletons are arranged tastefully on the front lawn. Patrick and Gates Mills, you're on the air. Hello, Mike. Go ahead, Patrick. Mike, I think I can clarify this entire situation for everyone, but I'll need you to bear with me. <laughs> I'm begging you, Patrick. I'm all ears. Thank you, Mike. Now, I have to begin by saying that I am not originally from this planet. Stop right there. Yes, Mike. <sighs> all right, let me tell you something, Patrick. This better get real interesting real fast. If you're just some everyday nut, call back after midnight when that UFO guy comes on. You got me? I promise to make it worth your while, Mike. See that you do, Patrick. Perhaps this story would be more palatable if I spoke hypothetically. Suppose a person was in possession of some sensitive information. A new technology, say, or a military secret, or just some dirt on a politician that in the right hands could change galactic civilization forever. Galactic civilization? <laughs> Look, I'm not much of a Trekkie, Patrick. I only watch baseball, wrestling, and Rachel Ray. And suppose Rachel Ray? Really? Get on with it, Patrick. And suppose you wanted this person out of the way, but he had a high enough profile that he couldn't simply be done away with. What would you do? What could you do? Hide him in plain sight, on a crowded but unsophisticated planet where no one could attempt to contact or rescue him without endangering his life, and he would have no choice but to adjust to his exile, to try and blend in with the barbarians. Because even if he told the truth to everyone he met, no one would believe him. And this hypothetical alien is you, I suppose. That's correct. I appreciate your open-mindedness. No problem, Patrick. Uh, do you look human? You blending in okay? My disguise has been effective so far. What do you really look like? It's hard to describe, at least in English. Well, uh, thanks for outing yourself, so to speak, here on the Mike Colavito Show. But uh, what's it got to do with anything? Those flying saucers over the lake, and that is indeed what they are, not jet planes, represent a rather ill-advised attempt by some of my more zealous supporters to effect my rescue. Patrick? Yes, Mike? That's about as plausible as anything I've heard today. But why reveal yourself now? Well, since the military is obviously monitoring your show... I thought perhaps an explanation of my situation might convince them not to interfere. Despite my present situation, I still have some rather powerful friends, and if something should happen to those spacecraft, even through a misunderstanding, it might not bode well for this planet, which, I must say, I've grown rather fond of. <laughs> and I'm sure the feeling's mutual, Patrick. Can you hang on through the break? This is the most fun I've had in a long time. I should really go, Mike. I've revealed too much already, and I've certainly placed myself in danger. But thank you for hearing me out. God love you, Patrick. You made my afternoon. It's been seven hours and fifteen days. You marinate the chicken um, with a spice blend. Oh, yeah, I can see the thing's body. Now it's large. It's large as a bear. It glistens like wet leather, but that face, it, it, ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable, but I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. The eyes are black and they gleam like a serpent. The mouth is that's kind of V-shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless. Come on. 
If you're just joining us, we've been discussing the plethora of jet trails over northeastern Ohio this afternoon, despite objections from certain quarters, and our most amusing theory comes from an apparent extraterrestrial living out in Gates Mills. If anybody can top it, I'm all ears. Ahmed in Lindhurst, you're on the air. Yes, Mike, I wanted to talk to you about Patrick, the last caller. Don't believe a word he said. That story was nothing but a pack of lies. Well, congratulations for figuring that out, Ahmed. I was just having a little harmless fun going along with him. What's the problem? Harmless is hardly the word I would use to describe the most nefarious criminal in the galaxy, Mike. Oh, boy. I asked for it, I guess. Much as I'd like to just go home right now and ride out the invasion in my media room, I guess you better elaborate. Naturally. Hypothetically speaking... Suppose there were a master criminal of such malevolent cunning with a network of felonious associates so vast that anything he set his sights on was as good as his. Such a person could conceivably be responsible for the misappropriation of thousands of valuable items, state treasures, art objects, anything he could find a buyer for. Eventually there would be no option for a moral society but to banish him to a planet where, from a galactic standpoint... There was nothing worth stealing. No offense. None taken, Ahmed. And how do you know this? Well, one could never set such a dangerous person loose on a primitive planet without also leaving a minder behind to keep an eye on things. It would be unethical. And this minder, that's you, right? That's correct. So you are also an alien? That's right, Mike. And the trails? their spacecraft, just as Patrick said. He was telling the truth about that. I'm not scheduled to be relieved of my post here for another five years, so it can only be his cronies trying to extract him. I'm sure Patrick would like nothing better than for you to believe that he's a political prisoner. He seems to think Earth is peopled entirely by rubes. I don't, which is why I'm entrusting you with the truth. And I would also advise your Air Force to go ahead and engage those spacecraft. Their destruction would be to the general good, and an immeasurable favor to Earth. I wonder if we could get Patrick back on for rebuttal. Uh, Anything else to add, Ahmed? That's it, Mike. Strictly speaking, I've said too much, but I think it's for the best. I couldn't just sit idly by. And we appreciate it, Ahmed. What do you think of our planet? I've seen worse. I do like the food. Thanks, Ahmed. Wow. Is it time for the news yet? Well, we still have a few minutes before the news break. Time for one more call. Maybe the Air Force will call back. Line one's lit up, but there's no name or city. Hey, Screener, who's on line one? What do you mean you don't know? Christ, I got to do everything myself, I guess. Okay, you're on the air on WCUI. Who am I talking to? Hello? I enjoyed hearing from Patrick and Ahmed very much, but... I've got a story that's even better. Are you interested? Sure, what have I got to lose? But who are- Imagine a galactic civilization of unknowable antiquity lapsed into decadence after eons of peace. Imagine a race from elsewhere, born of darkness but covetous of the light, desirous of exterminating the galaxy's present inhabitants and assuming their place, but so unimaginably patient as to postpone invasion for nearly an eternity until their evolution assured their practical invincibility. Such a race attacking from all sides and from within, 
might very well eliminate all traces of galactic culture in mere hours. They might then take their time surveying the civilized worlds and uncivilized worlds, calculating which species might best be enslaved and which simply eradicated. It's conceivable that on one such marginal planet, they might discover two remnants of the newly extinct civilization, a convict and his jailer, perhaps. Fastidious to a fault, they would insist on destroying these last two anachronistic relics of a dead society. Though not entirely lacking a sense of humor, they might first take them back to their native worlds and show them what had been wrought in their absence. Knowing that others of their race would eventually return to this planet when its fate was determined, their innate orderliness would dictate that no evidence of this visit remain. To this end, a tailored but relatively simple signal delivered simultaneously on all communication frequencies would readily excise all offending memories from the natives' unsophisticated brains, leaving them once again blissfully ignorant. All Hypothetically speaking, of course. May I ask what you think of my story? Uh, not much, I'm afraid. Good delivery, but lacks panache. I appreciate your call, though. It... Oh. What is that? Does anyone else hear that? God, that noise is going right up my spine! Are we broadcasting that? What the hell? Oh! What was that? What were we talking about? Should 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 we take a call? I, I have no idea what's going on. Okay, it's time for WCUI's award-winning news. Then we'll talk to the Cleveland Indians hitting coach and see if we can't iron out this trouble they've been having. Back in a few. You were aware of terror at the time you were giving this role. Were you aware that terror was going on throughout the nation? Oh, no. Of course not. You don't play down the melodramatic effect of a... Of a melodrama. Radio is new and we are learning about the effect it has on people. We've learned a terrible lesson. In view of that, don't you think that somebody here would have been able to gauge the reaction which in fact has occurred throughout the United States? Well, every radio program tries to be more dramatic than life, as every play tries to be more dramatic than life, and every movie, not less so. Came rather as a great surprise to us that a story, fine H.G. Wells classic, fantasy, the original for so many succeeding comic strips and adventure stories and novels, the invasion by mythical monsters from the planet Mars, seemed to us to be clearly in the realm of the fairy tale. Deeply regretful that this is not so. And that was our story. I love that old Orson Welles War of the World radio drama. Can't believe the guy had to apologize for making such a good radio drama that everyone thought we were actually getting invaded by aliens. Getting invaded by aliens would be amazing. I mean, it would suck, come on, but it would also be pretty cool, am I right? You know I am. Anyways, thanks everybody for calling in. That was fun. 
Also, we're running about a week late in the schedule here this month. Sorry about that, folks. It just took a lot of organizing to put this one together. If you had a good time, how about donating to us and letting us know? You can find support options off our website at drabblecast.org. Your listener donations alone allow us to pay for this show, folks, so help us out if you can. All right, let's get to our 100-character story winner this week by Monsieur Mustache, this one here. Peter wiped Tootle's blood from his mouth, another saved from growing up. Wings flew him away to look for more lost boys. Think you can write a good story with only 100 characters, not counting spaces? Of course you can. Give it a try. Find the TwitFix section of our forums at forums.drabblecast.org. You might be next week's winner. Follow us on Twitter, at the Drabblecast. All right, folks, that's our show this week. Special thanks to our episode artist, Jonathan Sims. Jonathan's an illustrator, designer, and comic book creator who lives in Iowa City with his teacher, librarian, wife, and their cat. Hire him to make t-shirts and other stuff for you or your business at j5a.com. Our program this week was brought to you by managing editor Nathan Lee, our art director, Bo Kyer, with additional help from Nikki Drayden, Tom Baker, David Steffen, and David Carvin. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, this is Norm Sherman. Reminding you, never be funnier than the host, John. Mike, what do you think of Water Body?